Advisory. Some episodes of the 1836 podcast are not intended for all audiences due to details that might be considered disturbing. Listener and viewer discretion is advised. Hello, everybody. I'm Nathan Rogers. And I'm Joe Batterton. And this is 1836. On episode three of the 1836 podcast, we talk about one of the meanest men in the history of the Ozarks, the infamous Alf Bolin, part one. Various accounts exist regarding the life of Alf Bolin, even down to the spelling of his last name, such as Alfred Bolin, Boland, Bowling, and Bolden. His birth date and place of birth are also questionable, with some sources indicating a birth in the winter of 1842 in southwest Missouri, while others claim Tennessee. His childhood also is shrouded with mystery. One narrative recounts his mother, Matilda Bolden, abandoning him at the age of 11. He eventually found refuge and was raised either by the Cloud family or the Billu family. Some believe that his father, who supported the South during the Civil War, was killed by Union soldiers, possibly motivating Boland to later align with Confederate sympathizers. Boland's origins remain uncertain due to the lack of official records from his time, leading to his story being shaped by tales and folklore. During the Civil War era, Boland became infamous for his ruthless actions, wreaking havoc from north-central Arkansas to southwest Missouri. During the Civil War, Alf Boland took advantage of the absence of men in the Ozarks to terrorize vulnerable communities, primarily consisting of women, children, and the elderly. Exploiting the scarcity of resources, he conducted ruthless killings and robberies, creating an atmosphere of fear. The Ozarks' geographical isolation and divided loyalties intensified the challenges of the war, making it a hotbed of lawlessness and guerrilla warfare. Boland's violent motives remain uncertain, but his actions reflected resentment towards the Union. Overall, Boland's exploits exemplified how the turmoil of the Civil War created opportunities for criminality and chaos in the region. What are now known as the Murder Rocks, are located near present-day Highway JJ, about 10 miles south of Forsyth in Taney County, Missouri. These unique rock formations were close to the Springfield-Harrison Road, an important route that connected Harrison, Arkansas, and Springfield, Missouri. The size of these formations were big enough to hide both people and horses, making them ideal for surprise attacks. The rocks offered Bolin a concealed setting to commit his heinous acts and evade capture, serving as a lasting symbol of lawlessness during the Civil War. Bolin cleverly took advantage of the disorder caused by the war, preying on travelers, traders, soldiers, and mail carriers along the Springfield-Harrison Road, which played a pivotal role during the Civil War. This crucial route facilitated communication, trade, transportation of goods, supplies, and military movement between the two regions. Alf Boland recognized its value and exploited it for his criminal activities. His gang ambushed travelers, merchants, and even Union soldiers along the road, robbing them and often using violence. Boland's knowledge of the area and road's terrain allowed him to evade capture. Alf Boland's connection to Sam Hildebrand in the Ozarks during the Civil War most likely heavily influenced his style of Confederate guerrilla warfare and further dislike towards the Union and its sympathizers. Boland joined Hildebrand's gang at the young age of 17, aligning himself with the Big River Bushwhacker. 
Hildebrand was a member of Quantrill's Raiders along with Frank and Jesse James, and Bloody Bill Anderson. Hildebrand was revered by Confederates as a hero, and condemned by the Union as a ruthless killer. Both engaged in bushwhacking activities, leveraging their knowledge of the rugged terrain for surprise attacks. Following his time with Hildebrand, Boland formed his own gang, consisting of approximately 12 to 20 members. His reputation for brutality attracted like-minded outlaws, resulting in a series of guerrilla warfare strategies that included ambushes and raids. Boland's notorious reputation continued to grow, striking fear into the hearts of those who crossed his path. His cruel deeds earned him the reputation of being the meanest man in the Ozarks. Boland's criminal rampage through the Ozarks during the Civil War, left a trail of violence and terror that echoed through the region. Various accounts claim Boland killed anywhere from, 8 to possibly over 40 people. The brass butt of a gun that allegedly belonged to Boland, had 41 hash marks carved into it, indicating the number of people he had killed with the gun. Among those etched into the grim narrative were innocent souls whose lives were tragically cut short by Boland's actions. Boland was credited for a series of murders, robberies, and attacks on travelers that spread fear throughout the region. The residents of this afflicted region existed in a perpetual state of dread, their daily lives overshadowed by terror. Fearing the incursions of both armies and outlaws, they concealed older boys, men, and even their livestock from prying eyes. There were many victims of Boland's ruthless warfare. One dark evening, a U.S. mail carrier from Harrison to Forsyth was robbed by Boland. Boland took the mail pouch and the horse. The poor mail carrier spent the rest of the night, restless in fear of running into Boland again. One was a 16-year-old boy, Dave Titsworth. He was shot in the chest by Boland near the post office along Bear Creek. After he had shot the boy some women asked him if he was not ashamed, killing such a young boy. He replied, get into the house and shut your mouths if you want to save your scalps. That makes 19 I've killed. Boland rode away, as if nothing happened. The women then attended to the boy's wounds. Miraculously, he survived. Alf even returned to the Billu residence, one of the families that allegedly helped raise him. After Boland threatened Mr. Billu, his wife got the best thing she could find to appease Alf, a big batch of maple sugar. Alf gulped it down, counted his bag of money, then stole their best saddle horse. These were a few of the lucky ones. Most of the people Alf ran into didn't live long. On Camp Creek he murdered James Johnson, the uncle of Wood Johnson, who was the presiding judge of Christian County. He killed Bob Edwards in Taney County, and at Murder Rocks, a place where many travelers were killed, he shot two Union soldiers in the back who were home on leave, and returning to their duties with the army. Another to fall to Boland's wrath, was 12-year-old boy, Bill Willis. Young Willis was carrying corn from a field, near Roe Arc Creek to feed a horse. As the boy climbed the rail fence with the corn in his arms, Boland shot him down. One of the saddest stories is of an elderly 80-year-old man by the name of Bud. Mr. Bud drove a yoke of oxen into Taney County, to get a small amount of corn from someone on the White River. The corn was to be used for making bread for the women and children of his community. Mr. Bud got the load of corn and started back to his home. Just as he crossed the river, Boland and his band halted him. They forced him to leave his wagon and wade back into the river. There, he was shot down, and fell into the water, with his body being carried away by the current of the White River. On or about October 10, 1862, when he was about 20 years old, Bolin and two of his gang members were on the run from Union pursuers. 
They had a couple of horses and only one gun between them. Bolin galloped to the Cloud residence, the other family that allegedly helped raise him. Bolin and his two sidekicks rode up with hoods over their heads to mask their identity, and confronted Calvin Cloud. Calvin had just served 57 days in the war for the Union Army when Bolin found his way back home. The hooded figures demanded horses and guns. As the story goes, Cloud told them he had no weapons. Calvin, you're lying. You got a good gun and I want it, said Bolin. Recognizing the voice of the boy he had helped raise, Cloud retorted, Alf, you know you can have anything I got, but get off that horse, take off the hood and ask for it like a man. Bolin grabbed the only gun the trio had, and killed Calvin. Mary Jane Cloud ran screaming from the cabin. Bolin fired a shot at her but missed. Mary didn't know who had killed her husband since Bolin was masked. One of the Cloud boys ran for help. But it was too late for Calvin. Mr. Cloud was dead. As Alf Bolin's reign of terror continued to grip the Ozarks, both Union and Confederate forces grew increasingly determined to put an end to his criminal activities. The toll he had taken on the region's communities prompted the Union to offer a substantial reward for his capture, ranging from $1,000 to $4,000, whether dead or alive. This bounty only fueled the urgency to bring Bolin to justice. This would likely take some time, because Bolin and his gang knew every hill, cave, and hiding place along the White River from Arkansas to Missouri. So, uh, Alf Bolin, probably one of the most notorious outlaws that a lot of you haven't heard, about, right, <laughs> haven't heard of until now. Um, actually, Joe, I think you're the person that I hadn't heard of until a couple years ago. Uh, you brought the him to my The first kitchen. time I heard of him was when I was a kid, Silver Dollar City. Uh, our friends out of Silver Dollar City have always been good about keeping local legends and, and historic names alive. And, you know, it may not be representing those people exactly like they were, but after when you're riding the train and you're going through the train ride and the robbers, you know, the train robbery that happens out there, they 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 do kind of a play on that. And it's Alf and Ralph Bowen, you know, which there was no Ralph that I know of. But, but anyway, I, the the name was curious to me, and I, I kind of started looking looking it up to see what that was all about. And then I heard about Murder Rocks. We lived in that area for a little while, and I I took my daughter out there when she was just little. She's I was just kind of dragging her along with me. And it was on private property at the time, so I was probably trespassing. I'm sorry if you're watching this now, but uh, we were respectful. But we went out and looked at this this area and a big grouping of rocks out there that supposedly this Alf Bolin and his gang would hide out and wait for these unsuspecting people coming north and south on that Harrison Springfield Road. So that's that's kind of that was kind of my introduction to this guy. But nasty nasty character. What little we know of him. Yeah, Silver Dollar City has a little fun with him, but I think you put it, uh, said that earlier today, he's just dastardly. Just a yeah. mean guy. In fact, he's been coined the meanest man in the Ozarks. Um, in fact, this episode um, may have a few details in it that you might find disturbing, so listener and viewer discretion advised. Um, <laughs> are we going to show any pictures or do any reenactment? Uh, maybe a few <laughs> pictures. When I, when I was doing some research over the weekend, I found newspaper articles from the New York Times from July 18th, 1862, and the uh, Cincinnati Enquirer from April 15th, 1893. So he was pretty pretty well known back then. 
Um, like we said, a lot of people nowadays are like, who's Al Bogle? Well, let's talk about him. Um, a lot of his origins are really a mystery. A lot of them is unknown. There's different variations and different versions and who knows what is true. Um, one version is uh, even the spelling of his last name is Bolin, Bolund, Boling. People can't really decide what that was. Um, well, sometimes, you know, I, I think, you know, there's this, there's this small window of anything that's written about him is basically during the Civil War. So from 61 or 62 to when he died in 63, and he was only, what, 21 years old? Something like that? Supposedly we 21. Think. Yeah. And so, you know, when the, you, you get the name, similarities in the name, there was no proper way to write a lot of things. So a lot of times things were spelled out phonetically. Sometimes an N was mistaken for an R or, or whatever. So that's why I think you get those variations in the name. But well, it, it was still the same of, guy. Wasn't a whole lot of legal documents in Taney and Mary and Carroll and, you know, County, Arkansas, Missouri back then, especially during the Civil War. So much things have been destroyed. And um, one story is he was abandoned by his mother um, when he was 11. Another story is his father was killed by Union troops, which made him anti-union another story is he was raised by the cloud family and the the lou family i've, I've read I've, i think i've read all those those uh variations of that the one thing that we do know is that when he shows up in historical record he's dastardly he's about you don't get to use that word very often but this this man was he was uh he was bad news. I mean, he just, from from what it sounds like, he just killed kind of indiscriminately, and uh, you know, and that that leads you to another thing. He was robbing people, and people like to talk about lost treasures, you know, saying, well, there was no banks, and that he robbed a lot of people, and so he's probably got little treasures buried all over the place. I I buy that in one sense, and another part of me goes, well, this was during the Civil War. There wasn't a whole lot of money. People in this area were just dirt poor and, and just basically trying to survive, you know, because the men were at war. There was nobody to really plant crops. And uh, people, it was just a subsistence living. So I don't know how much uh, treasure there might be actually out there, but you never know. Everybody loves a good treasure story. Yeah, so we hung out at Murder Rocks, which was alongside the Springfield Harrison Road, went from Harrison, Arkansas to Springfield, Missouri. He was a bushwhacker, and for, you, for those that don't know, a bushwhacker is basically a pro-Confederate outlaw. He wasn't in the army or anything like that, but he was a, a, an outlaw, and he sided. Uh, they're troublemakers. They, troublemakers. Their job was to go around and steal and pillage and try to make it as difficult, you know, on, on yeah. the Union troops being able to get supplies that they could. And the opposite of that would be a Jayhawker, which they were mainly up around Kansas, some in Missouri. But, you know, if, if the Union had some outlaws that did the same thing, they were called Jayhawkers. So there, there's your lesson between a Bushwhacker and a Jayhawker. Uh, but this Harrison, Springfield Road, Springfield Harrison Road, people traveled. Uh, Basically Highway 65. Yeah, Highway 65. Roughly, I mean, it was off a little bit. Uh, Murder Rocks, I believe, 
probably about seven miles south of Kirbyville. I think they're on Kirbyville, JJ. Yeah, Kirbyville's between. If you, if you're not familiar with the area, it's um, it's kind of between Branson and Forsyth in, in that area. There's a golf course out there now called Murder Rocks, <laughs> uh, which I don't think the actual Murder Rocks is on the golf course. I think it's still. Uh, I don't know if it's still in private hands. I know they were talking about making a park there where people could actually park yeah. legally and go up there and actually see this this area. But um, that, it's it's kind of kind of about halfway between the Branson area and, and the Arkansas state line. And you know, back then, so, um, well, before we get into that, what what do you think his motivation for being just this bad dude was? You think, you know, I don't. I, I think he was personally. I mean, I, I think that he was, was a young man between 17 and 21, somewhere in that area. Uh, this war broke out. He jumps in there, whether he was the one who organized it or if he just jumped off from some other group that was organized. Starts, you know, being this marauder who's going around bushwhacking and stealing and robbing people. And I think things, just the power of that and, and there was no law around and nobody to really call him on it. I think it just got out of hand. And uh, he just i don't know he's if he kills as many people as they say he did i mean it technically puts him as what we would call a serial killer yeah could could be the first documented so. serial killer in the ozarks in the ozarks yeah you i mean i'd have to we'd have to really dig and look at that but uh but yeah that's a i don't know you know there's there, there could be a lot of things going on there but i think that's that's a lot of it. i mean obviously people who steal uh, we still have those today. We've always had them, you know, since the beginning of time. And uh, I, and I think when you get wartime going on, and then you get a you get a an isolated area like what we live in here in the Ozarks, uh, it was just it was a it was a and I say it all over and over, and I, I hate to sound just overly dramatic about it, but this was a bad area to be in. Uh, you were isolated. It was it was hard to get in and out of. And then you had groups like Alf Boland's guys. Uh, you had uh, Quantrell and Bloody Bill Anderson and all those kind of bushwhacker, raider kind of guys that were, they just had carte blanche to do what they wanted to do in this area. And the only people to call them on it is either going to be Confederate troops or federal troops. And uh, sometimes they had bigger fish to fry than to worry about who's stealing from the local people. Yeah. So. Yeah, I, I don't buy there's a theory that you know, he was such a bad person because, you know, his his dad was killed by the uni Union troops, whatever. That timeline doesn't add up. And neither, uh, there's another one where some Union soldiers had, had beat his mom, so that made him. That doesn't add up either, especially if, if she abandoned him when he was 11. That makes good movies. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think he was just, a, you know, just a messed up time. He bounced around from family to family. Living in this area was tough. Um, this was, for the most part, was pretty neutral in the Civil War. We talked about that last time. But so, so regular people that lived here that was neutral, they had to worry about Union troops. They had to worry about federal troops. They had to worry about bushwhackers. Bushwhackers. Some Jayhawkers. Or Jayhawkers if they were over, yeah. And just outlaws. Um, there, were, yeah. there were really no, there was no law here. So if you were an average person that was neutral, you probably just wanted to stay home and away from everybody. Well, and, and this this will lead into another segment down the road. But you know, even after the Civil War, there was no there was really no law and order. Hence, groups like 
the bald knobbers, you know, that, that developed their vigilance committee, a law and order group that was, you know, just a bunch of guys getting together, kind of forming this loose posse to go, hey, we're not going to put up with this stuff that's going on out here, so somebody's got to do it. And then all of a sudden, they get a taste of that power, and you get a few bad people, bad apples that spoil the whole bunch, and then they turn into something that they didn't mean to be to start off with. It's probably the same thing that happened here. Uh, I just know that uh, he was bad enough that at some point, the, the, the northern sympathizers and the southern sympathizers decided to kind of join forces here to, to, to get rid of this guy. And, uh, and we'll lead into that in a minute. But, but yeah, I, don't, I really don't know what the, you know, how do you, how do you get into the mind of that person? You know, we both, we, we've both walked, worked in law enforcement for many years. And how many times you've seen that over and over down the road, you see somebody that there's, there's really no reason. I mean, they, they, sometimes they come from a good family. Uh, sometimes they've had you know, a good upbringing and, and there doesn't seem to be anything or any reason why they should turn to that lifestyle, but they do. And then you've seen it where it gets out of hand too, where they just get with the wrong people and it just escalates and goes you know, on and on. Yeah, getting with the wrong people. When he was 17, he joined Big River Bushwhacker, Sam Hildebrand's gang. And for those that don't know him, he was in Quantrill's Raiders, along with Jesse and Frank James, the Youngers, and Bloody Bill Anderson. And so he joined, you know, he was a part of that group when he was 17 years old. He hadn't been in the Army. He hadn't been, I think part of him was like, if I'm going to run with these guys, I'm going to have to fit in and prove myself. And so he just went on a reign of terror and for no reason was just killing people. Robin and what do you got to do to prove yourself to a guy named Bloody Bill Anderson? Yeah, I mean, that's you know he's he's got to be a bad dude just uh, just for the name that he carried around. So yeah, it's a uh, uh, bad times creates both sides of the. It, it creates wonderful heroes and it creates really bad yeah. villains. So so he rode with them for about two years before he started his own gang, and uh, really took advantage of that Springfield Harrison Road when they were. You know, shipping supplies up and down. There's communication going up and down. They were actually sending mail at that time from Harrison to Springfield. And, and you know, there was in and out migration too. When things would get bad in a certain area, uh, like in Arkansas, if things were getting bad there, I know for a fact that, that here in Marion County, there was several families that moved up to uh, Nathan Boone's homestead up north of Springfield. It was kind of a, I think it was kind of a safe haven. But a lot of a lot of our families in this county relocated up there. I've I've been up there. I've seen some of the graves, uh, trace the lineage back to the families lived down here in Tomahawk. So you know, I know there were people going, trying to get out of here, and then obviously after the war was over, with a lot of those folks came back. But but in that out migration, that's a that's a prime example of type of people he preyed on. They would have all their belongings with them and they'd be traveling from south to north and uh, they unsuspecting. I mean, if you if you don't live in that area, you probably not, you probably don't know about quote unquote murder rocks and uh, may not even been called that at the time, you know, so. Right. I, yeah, it's called murder rocks now because of him. Um, yeah. Allegedly, he killed anywhere from eight to 41 people. Uh, he had a supposedly a gun that belonged to him. There's a brass butt on it, and there was 41 to 42 hash marks on it. Probably not you don't think squirrel it was squirrels? hunting. Probably not. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> but you know, he spent most of his time in Taney County. But there was a lot of things that kept saying near the Arkansas line. So I'm, I feel very confident he crossed over into what is now Boone County, probably on down further to Marion County because he knew every hill, holler, cave. He went up and down the White River right. several times. Um, so, you know. Yeah, and there's not a, there's not a wall on the White River. Yeah. It, you know, it, it divides Missouri from Arkansas. So uh, that's that's why when when we're doing these segments, a lot of times we'll cross over into Missouri talking about people like this because they did come down into our area. They raided down in here. They camped down here. Uh, they hid. You know, if, if the pressure's on in Missouri, are you going to stick around in there? No, you're going to come down. All you got to do is and, cross uh, the and hide out somewhere down here. Yeah, that's. And you know the river was an easy way to get up and you know to get back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, so some of the specific so, yeah. victims I came across, these are the ones that lived. Uh, there was a mail carrier from Harrison. He robbed and stole his the mail, his horse, and everything, and pretty much left him out at night all alone just to mess with him. And the poor which guy says was, Arkansas to me because if he was a mail carrier from Harrison, right? What would he What would he be doing up in Missouri? He's He's carrying mail around on Harrison, so yeah. that puts him that puts him in Arkansas. Um, in my uh, book, another uh, was a 16-year-old boy uh, at a post office near Bear Creek, which is also you know down in Boone County, modern Boone County. His name was Dave Titsworth. Shot him in the chest for no reason in front of several. Well, there's ladies. another there's a, another Bear Creek just north of Branson, so he could have it could have been either pro- either probably, one. Probably probably was that one. Uh, Mr. Billu that uh, supposedly one of the families that helped raise him. He uh, <clears throat> robbed him and stole his horse, threatened to kill him, but he just stole his horse. And uh, Mrs. Ballou, I think, gave him some, fed him something to appease him and make him happy and just get him to leave. Uh, some of the victims that I saw that was documented he actually killed was a James Johnson in Taney County, Bob Edwards, two Union soldiers at Murder Rocks, a 12-year-old boy who was just crossing a fence for no reason, and an 80-year-old man that had gone to White River to get some corn to take it back to his community so the ladies could have something to cook. Uh, Bowen made him get off, uh, either his wagon, he had a wagon of oxen, made him get off way back into the middle of the river and shot him while he was in the river. To, I've read that one before too. Uh, so, Which, you know, those descriptions you just gave tells a lot about the area during the war. Old men, young boys. I mean, you know, the most of the men were in the war, so he took advantage of that. Uh, Also killed Calvin Cloud, which is the other family that supposedly took him in and and raised him. He showed up there. Uh, Him and two of his boys, they only had one gun, and uh, they they rode there. And he told Calvin he wanted his gun, and he recognized his voice and more or less said, I know it's you, get off the horse, take your mask off, and ask me like a man, and I'll let you borrow whatever. Instead, he decided to shoot him and take his gun anyway. Uh, anyway, just a, a reputation of being a, a ruthless, outlaw, meanest man in the Ozarks. Yeah, you know, we were we were talking the other day about movies and stuff that uh, that kind of pull that type of character and uh, movies like Cold Mountain. You know, there's there's that that same type of villain in there. Uh, Ride with the Devil. There's there's, I know there's a character in there that, in my mind, he just it just reminds me of what he would have been like, and uh, just that young kind of cocky, uh, thinks he's above everything. There's no law to tell him what to do, and he 
by golly, he's just going to show everybody, you know, what it's what it's all about. He's just going to do what he wants to do. And he did for a while. And you mentioned yeah. it earlier. This guy was so bad. This is the middle of the Civil War. The Union excuse me, and the Confederates joined together during the war to both take this guy out. They had a pretty elaborate plan. On the next episode of the 1836 podcast, we continue talking about the infamous Alf Bolin, what led to his demise, his hidden treasures, and his ghostly apparitions. Join us next week for part two. Thank you to everyone who has tuned in to listen to this episode of the 1836 podcast. We hope you found it informative and engaging. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider liking and sharing it with your friends and family. Leaving a good rating and review on your preferred podcast platform would also help us reach a wider audience. Be sure to tune in next time for another episode, where we will continue to explore the roots and branches of Arkansas, and the fascinating history of the Ozarks.